Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Big League Philanthropist Podcast, where we talk to athletes and nonprofits about the power of sports and what they're doing to make a difference in their own communities. I'm your host, Danielle Berman. I'm the founder and CEO of Tackle What's Next, where we help athletes create impact after the game and find their purpose in life after sports. Join me and learn more about how athletes all over the world are changing not only their own lives, but the lives of others around them. Welcome to the Big League Philanthropist. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Big League Philanthropist podcast. We are back with episode seven and another great athlete interview. If you haven't checked out some of our previous interviews this season, uh, we just spoke to Bria Hartley a few weeks back. We've talked to Hugh Roberts, Jasmine Thomas, Renee Montgomery. Make sure that you go check them out. Each of them have been fantastic guests and are such great examples of what athletes can accomplish and the change that they can inspire in their own communities. I promise you won't want to miss their story and their advice for you. We've also started our new weekly BLP Bulletin series, so be sure to listen every Monday right here for a quick rundown on the latest news in sport philanthropy and athlete activism that we're following. It's been a lot of fun to put those together, so check them out. Let me know what you think. And a final reminder, we are not done recording season two. So if you know any athletes doing some great work in the community that we need to feature, shoot us an email at info at to let us know. And please su- subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts so we can reach even more incredible listeners. So on to this week's episode, we are talking to former pro soccer player from the MLS, Bundesliga, and for the U.S. national team, Tony Sané. Tony is the founder of the Sane Foundation, who is dedicated to support and develop underserved youth in the Twin Cities. The Sane Foundation now provides educational support, free meals, sports camps, leads programs in Haiti to combat the cycle of poverty there, and runs the Conway Community Center in the Twin Cities. After Tony retired, he really saw an opportunity to use his platform to better the communities he lived in. And the Sane Foundation is now running multiple programs and acting as a vehicle for change within the community led by his own athlete activism. He's originally from St. Paul, Minnesota, and Tony continues to be heavily involved in supporting his community. Tony joined us to talk about his foundation, his philanthropy goals, his love for soccer, and how it's impacted his life, and how joining and supporting the anti-racism campaign is hopefully going to lead to some real change in the soccer community. I want to point out that we talk about the anti-racism campaign. Tony mentions how tough the last year and a half has been, especially over the summer with the murder of George Floyd. This all came out, um, we recorded this episode before the murder of Dante Wright, again, right in the Minneapolis community. Uh, It's been a really tough year and a half for that city and the people that have really just had to suffer such unjust killings of so many family members, friends, community members. And I think the important work that Tony's doing matters more now than ever. Um, So I wanted to let you guys know that that's why it's not referenced here. It's recorded before that. But, you know, again, I think Tony's Tony's work is continuing to provide for a community in need. And it's it's, again, more important now than ever. So it was a pleasure to chat with Tony and catch up with him, highlight some of the work he's doing off the field. And without further ado, here is our conversation with Tony Sonny. 
All right. Welcome back to another episode of Big League Philanthropist. I am here with Tony Sané of the Sané Foundation, and Tony is a former soccer player in the MLS. He's also played for the U.S. national team, and he founded the Sané Foundation, where he uses his platform to support his hometown of the Twin Cities and speak out against racism and injustice. So, Tony, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and great to connect with you again and looking forward to share some, some stories. Awesome. Well, we're really excited. I want to talk about just everything going on in the past year or so. Um, how, how's everything been going? What have you guys, I know you guys have been busy. I see all the posts. I see all the, all the activity. You guys have been pedal to the metal supporting. So what's, what's been going on? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy year. I mean, it's, you know, everyone, no one's going to deny that. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, in spite of everything what's happened, you know, I'm really proud of the organization for stepping up. Um, we have a really inclusive group, um, you know, with our social justice acting together. You know, we have a lot of, of Korean refugees here and it's a tough situation in Myanmar right now. And um, a lot of young African-Americans and George Floyd was, you know, in our backyard. Um, and then we're all dealing with the pandemic. So, you know, collectively the organization has really stepped up together um, to serve food and to bring in healing and peace. And so I'm really proud of the team. Yeah, amazing. So, so let's start from the beginning. Tell us what the Sané Foundation is, right? What, why you founded it and, and why, did you, why did you feel so passionately about creating this organization? Well, you know, we're a youth development organization. Um, and really when I, when I retired from, from pro soccer, I came back and you know, I'm like, I have to do something in soccer um, with everything that I did. And I quickly realized it wasn't about the soccer at all. It was about the relationships that I built through the sports. So I really thought, you know, how do I develop um, relationships? And that really meant going where, where students were. Um, and so we started programming where kids were. So in schools and parks and community centers. Um, and so our mission became to empower, improve, unite through education, health and wellness and building community. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what we do. We, we put mentors in schools. So we have three mentors in 14 public schools and um, we use the term dual track. So at the same time, we measure the outcomes of the students. Um, we're looking to advance the lives of people of color into the teaching profession. Mm -hmm. so they can work with us for 24 months and get their master's degree and teacher license. Right. Um, in the summertime, we run free summer camps for up to 8,000 kids. Again, it's dual track. So we'll hire 150 high school kids and they will be assistant coaches and Monday through Thursday, they coach. And on, on Friday, they have their own classroom and leadership development. And we go into different companies and they learn about different, different possible, you know, workforce and, and job readiness programs. And then lastly, here at the community center, you know, anything goes, it's kind of like whatever the community wants, uh, we do. And, um, you know, this is how we got into the food business during the pandemic, because, you know, we serve 36,000 meals normally. And so we told those families come, come outside and, and they lined up in a car. And, you know, during the pandemic, people saw a line and they got into it. And pretty soon the line was around the block. So we'd ask for more and more food. And next thing you know, we have two box trucks and eight vans. And uh, we've done over two and a half million pounds of food um, since the pandemic started with, you know, well over a hundred thousand people. 
Yeah, I've seen I've seen the pictures and the video of those lines. You're not kidding when they stretched around the block and people were really, you know, excited for that support. So tell us a little bit about what how did you decide to shift, right? You guys continued to operate, you guys continued to serve your community. Like how did you decide what to focus on and kind of where to prioritize over the last year, um, given all the conditions that you mentioned earlier going on with COVID? Well, one of the things we tried to do is really, you know, we looked at our staffing and said, you know, how do we keep everyone employed? Um, and so that was one thing and, and times were tough. So we said, okay, how do we keep everyone employed? So now we had people and then we said, okay, how, what, what is the biggest need in the community right now? So how are we going to support the community? And, you know, we knew that people didn't want to go out and didn't want to expose themselves. So food was one big area that we invested in because, you know, people were out of work and they couldn't go get it. And especially, you know, the homebound elderly population. So, you know, that was that was really important for us. Um, and then the other piece was virtual. Um, you know, we turned our gym into a virtual learning center. Um, we had 60, 70 kids come every day because, you know, they could not um, go to school. Um, and so, it, you know, it was a it was a learning situation. So, um, but families needed to work and kids needed to go to school. So. Um, that's kind of, we prior, prioritize things based on the needs of the community. Yeah, I think that's a great point is that you kind of looked where the, where the community was, was suffering and, and filled in the gaps with the resources you had. I love that you converted the gym into the virtual learning center. Um, and, and talk to us a little bit about what motivates you to do this work. You know, you've had the foundation for a long time and you continue to grow your impact in the community. What was, what's the motivation to continue to give back? Not only in the Twin Cities, but I know you do work in Haiti as well. Um, you know, what, what's that motivation and driving force for you? You know, it was really how I was raised. And, you know, I, I like to say, you know, I was raised by the community and, um, you know, they, they kind of took me under their wing. So um, I'm just kind of doing what, what, you know, how I was raised and, and giving back in that fashion. So nothing, nothing different than the way I was raised, but, you know, I kind of do this work because, you know, I believe and giving back and it, it, I'm motivated and inspired to do it. Um, you know, I was, I was blessed that so many people kind of took care of me um, and I enjoy a challenge. Like I wake up with something to do and you know, that line is not getting any shorter. And, you know, we look at the, the, the divide in, in our education system. So we need to be able to support our students the way that I was supported. Um, and I believe that we're not short on, you know, we're not short on, on talent, you know, we're short on we're short on support, and and that's what we want to invest in. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That it's it's definitely just providing people the the resources they need to to move forward. Not that they're not you know they're lacking in any other way. So how as you started this foundation, like did you have a team that helped you get it started? Like for any athletes that might be listening to what you did, like how did you actually create the foundation? How did you figure out what to fill out and what forms to file and, and how to continue to grow it? What was that kind of logistical process like? Well, you know, while I was playing, you know, I had some people help me out and, and really a girl um, asked me for support and if I could advocate with the parks. And next thing you know, she had Sane soccer camps. And so I realized that it was easy to support others um, just using my name. So we set up the legal entity and I use it as a tool just to donate money through and I had a contract with Adidas through the years. So, but then when I was retiring, I realized it's something that I wanted to do. So one of the things that I did is I went upstairs to our director of community relations 
and I really studied the work that they were doing. Um, and I just decided that, um, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And so every day I volunteered and, and, and looked at like how I was going to help them. Um, and, and so I, you know, I learned, I learned from them. And, um, when I retired officially, then I just kind of hit the ground running full speed. Yeah. I think that's great. I think it's a great piece of advice too to use the resources around you. If you have a community relations department, ask them questions, connect with them, figure out what they do and how they do it. That's a really good point. Um, and I, I mentioned Haiti earlier. Another part of the work you've done is creating the Haitian initiative. Um, and I know you had an exchange program that I'm sure is kind of on hold right now during all this COVID madness. But but kind of how how did you decide to expand your efforts and, and reach into Haiti? Tell us the story about Haitian Initiative and, and how that's continued to grow over the years. You know, I went to Haiti after the earthquake and, um, you know, it was tough, um, but there are such resilient people and you've been there and um, there's just this magical energy. And so after doing that, um, you know, I came back and I was like, well, how do I help them come here to America? Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we did when they, you know, when they came here, you know, I realized what that did for American families. Um, and so I went back and I checked up on them and it was like, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And so I finally realized that in order to be sustainable, I had to start a program there. So we started the Haitian initiative there and, you know, it grew to 320 kids and, um, you know, we were, we were blessed to be able to bring families to, to America. And then we just kept trying to do that on a yearly basis. Um, and, um, you know, we haven't been able to do it through the pandemic, but we think it's done a lot for American families and um, we'll go back, but uh, also, you know, empowering our young women as well. Um, and, you know, you've been there, it's a, it's a magical community. Um, mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll continue to do, we'll do some work there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to talk about because, they, they, you know, they're so resilient. Um, they're so resilient and, and they deserve better. And they've had, you know, so many hardships through the years. Um, but it's, it's really rewarding. And for me, when I get to go down there, I actually get to do work, right? I get yeah. to work on the ground. And now here I'm in administration a lot. So that's the, one of the other things that I really like about, about being able to go there is that I get to, um, you know, be on the ground and actually do youth work and youth development. Yeah. And I, I've seen it. I've seen the place that you guys have put together and the programs there. And it's, you're so right. I mean, the, the people there are, are resilient and they're hopeful and they're, they just, you know, like you said, they, they deserve these resources and support. And I think what you've done is fantastic there. Um, and I hope to, to see it continue to grow. Um, and, and one other initiative I want to ask you about, because this is something you've recently, um, you know, attached your name to and, and, and put some support into, um, is the anti-racism project that you've partnered um, and, and uh, other organizations have partnered on, like Chicago Fire, American Outlaws, Angel F City FC. Uh, so tell us about what the anti-racism project is, why you decided to tie your name into that, and, and how do you really uh, see this you know, affecting the future um, in soccer and, and kind of alleviating some of that racism? Well, you know, we've always done anti-racism training as an organization. Um, and, you know, I was just talking about this morning, 
we forget about it a lot because it's really ingrained in our work. Um, so we underestimate, you know, what we're, what we do. Um, but, you know, after George Floyd, you know, some of our staff said, you know, we really should be doing more of this. Um, and so we decided to, to get out there and, and, um, and, and do it again. And so, you know, we worked with the common goal as, you know, as they picked us as a project to, to do. Um, and we really then um, are looking to collaborate all around the country, get the voice of the people um, to figure out how we, how we work together to refresh our current, current curriculum. But ultimately we wanna have curriculum available so that every child that plays and every family and administrators and fan clubs you know, have access to this material so they can learn to make soccer a more equitable environment um, to play in. And we want people to be able to enjoy it. And we know diversity matters and um, we wanna be a part of that. And uh, we know by and large, you know, people are, people are good and just, but to be able to have a place where they can have a mutual understanding. So we're gonna be doing some nationwide listening sessions. So if people are interested in being facilitators in different parts of the country, you know, they can let us know because we really wanna get the voice of the whole country. Um, and then we're replicating this um, not only for soccer, but, you know, through all sports so that, you know, anti-racism and cultural competency is something that we all have and we all should, um, you know, be better at. Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, I'm glad to see you guys um, kind of leading the charge there. And I think um, to your point, um, the more education and, and um, you know, resources we can provide, hopefully the more um, things start to shift. Um, and I want to I want to talk about speaking of you know this seems like a lot of sports organizations and and sports professionals like you kind of putting your name into this effort. How has being an athlete, right, being a sports uh, a name or sports figure, how has that helped you push some of these campaigns forward? Or you know maybe has it hurt at all? Um, so you know what what's your thoughts on kind of the influence of your athlete persona on the work you're doing? You know I think it's opened up some doors for us at, at times. Um, so we're definitely. Um, you know, you use your celebrity or your networks to open doors. Um, and I think you have a platform. And so, you know, you have the ability to reach, reach more people. Um, so that's been, that's been a positive, um, you know, we've been able to get other people and other influencers to join on. And, you know, one of the people that, you know, had a mishap and learning experience was, you know, the driver, um, Kyle. Um, so he, you know, he, said some things that he shouldn't have and took accountability. And we were already working with his, his agent and his team. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he had been before the George Floyd incident, he'd already been coming to Minnesota and volunteering and, you know, racing in, in small towns, but working with our staff and um, really learning about them and, and um, having those tough conversations and taking accountability, what he did and, and saying, you know, what his goal was. And we knew beforehand that he wanted to start a foundation and help people. So, you know, ongoing and being able to help him, you know, in this cancel culture, um, take accountability, grow as a person, learn. Um, and, and now, you know, he's one of, you know, he's a leading advocate to race equity and looking to support communities of color and to be a champion and not by coming up with excuses or say it was an accident by just saying, I did something wrong and it's not okay. And I'm going to do better. And I'm committed to not doing, you know, 
15 minutes of training to check the box to make it sound like, okay, you did what you needed to do. You know, he's back on the track and that's all behind him. Um, and he's, you know, he's supporting not just our organization, but five other organizations so that kids of color have, have opportunities within racing. Um, he's on the diversity committee for NASCAR. So that's where like your influence really, really helps when, you know, me going into this works, uh, into this work helps other athletes see, you know, there's a pathway for me. And they all don't have to start a foundation, um, but they all can support one. They all can be an ambassador for one. They can all leverage their name and resources to teach and raise money um, and lead by example. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point and a great example and story to share. And I think to your point, right, if, if you're an athlete that wants to use your platform, you know, taking accountability is so important, right? You might not know everything. You should do your best to educate yourself before you speak out on certain issues. But to your point, Tony, you know, the cancel culture can be really you know, harmful because we're not giving people the chance to grow and learn. Um, so I, I love that example that you use of, of this guy made a mistake, owned up to it and, and worked with experts and folks that have been doing the work like you to put a really great path and plan together for forward motion. And I also love your point about not creating a foundation because it's, it's not the right path for everyone. Um, and I think it's a good point for you to, to, to make that there's just so many amazing organizations like yours that people can go support and lend their name to. So yeah, I, I think that's a really great piece of kind of takeaway for our, for our listeners um, in terms of how, how being an athlete and, and using their athlete platform can be good and, and how it can help them kind of grow and learn. What, what does being a philanthropist mean to you? We ask all of our guests this, like, what does that look like to you? Well, I think it means something different to everybody, but for me, it means just giving back in, in, you know, in a capacity that I have. And I think you can give monetarily, you can give in time. Um, you know, I think you could be a social media philanthropist by really just, you know, um, elevating, advocating and amplifying the messages of people that are doing good things. So I think it's it's the act of giving a resource um, and, and to, to social causes um, that are gonna make this community better. And you know, for me, I, I run an organization, I create programming and I, I raise money to do it. Um, but everyone can do it, I think, in a different way. Um, and I think everyone needs to find you know, what their strengths are and, and, and go about it and either pick a cause or support one. Yeah. I love it. I think that's a great point. Um, you've had the Sonic Foundation for, for a long time, been working there. What are your future goals here? What's, what's kind of the next big scary goal that you've put on the calendar, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, like where, where, where are you guys going next? What's those big goals you're trying to reach? Well, you know, we're, we're finishing off this $10 million redevelopment of this community center and we're trying to make it the safest community center in the, in the Twin Cities. So, you know, we've, We've partnered with Brock Pad and put a special pad there to reduce concussions. We've partnered with AstroTurf to make it a geo infield. So this, wow. this community center will be the safest, you know, in the Twin Cities. Um, and, and that's what we want for, for our youth. Um, we also are working with, you know, at the state legislature right now in the Senate, we have a million dollars in the bill and in the house, we have $2 million and money in the base. So we want ongoing funding for the state, you know, legislative system. So we can expand our, our in-school support programs and our teacher pathway programs. Um, 
So that's going to be, you know, important to us. Um, and then we really want to expand this anti-racism training um, to be able to do that um, in other places. And, and, you know, we think, you know, sports is a place where we can really change the culture um, and by doing that. And so I think that's something that you're going to see us do and, and look to, you know, get out a little bit more from Minnesota. And um, when things settle down in Haiti as well, I think, you know, partnering with professional athletes to do, you know, what I would call them is philanthropic vacation camp. So finding fellow athletes to run camps with us um, while we're taking youth down there to show them the country, but also be able to work out and really get to know athletes, right? I think athletes want to give back, but they don't, they want to do it in, you know, under their terms. So one of our goals is to take pro athletes to, to Haiti and, and run camps with them um, and support them in doing that and really give kids a chance to get to know them. Um, because a lot of times, and I heard this podcast the other day, somebody said, you know, I want to do what you do. And, and the, the presenter said, do you want to do what I do? Or are you willing to do what I did? Because I think when you look at professional athletes, people need to know, you know, what it's really going to take um, to get there. And so to be able to spend some time with them, I think is really important. Um, so we get to know them. So, you know, that's something that, that I look forward to building as an organization and then just looking how to build partnerships too. Um, I think that's going to be important for us in the more community partnerships we can build and the more people we can work with. I think we can, we can all do more together. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it sounds like you guys have so many positive things coming down the horizon. And I love the the story you just shared of, you know, do you want to do what the, all the work that I did to get here? Um, are you willing to do that? Because that's a big, big question. Um, and I want to ask you, Tony, like, what's some of the work that you've done to, to get, you know, yourself to the place where you are able to be in the state legislator, right? You're able, and I know you're one of the uh, State Department um, of, and the sports division there ambassadors for the entire, you know, for the U.S. State Department. So, so what kind of work have you done, you know, obviously through the Sané Foundation, but obviously you've been networking, you've been building important relationships, you've been educating yourself. So give us that little glimpse into like, what have you been doing to reach all of these amazing accomplishments and, and the amazing initiatives really that you've been pushing forward? You know, I think we've just worked hard. You know, we've networked. Um, I think we've um, we've learned, right? You know, meeting a lot of other other people that are already doing the work. Um, you know, I think that's that's the main thing that we've we've really done is, you know, who who can we connect with and partner with, and who's doing it already? You know, you know, doing it well. So, you know, I like to borrow from people, and you know, like you know, I'll Jackie Joyner Kersey, like, what is she doing, and how has she been successful? And have these centers for you know 10 20 years um you know this is this is how we go about you know kind of kind of learning and um i think it's important not to try to always start something fresh but you know really just trying to figure out who's doing stuff really well already and why um and 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 that's kind of the best is really building partnerships and then just constantly challenging yourself to learn uh, and that's what i've said i think that, that that's what i think i've done really well is you know, being willing and open to learn from others um, has helped us to a great degree um, grow and, and build pro programming. And then the other thing is just, you know, to connect with the community. So, you know, don't come with a, a preconceived notion. Um, really, really understand, um, you know, what's going on and, and how, we can, how we can help that and, uh, and then work with the community needs to, to kind of build that up. Yeah, 
No, it's great. I think um, obviously you've put a lot of effort and personal time and energy into this and it shows, you know, you're doing it the right way. Um, two more questions for you before, before we wrap up here. Um, obviously, same vein as your anti-racism campaign you're involved in here, but obviously this year and, and change, we've seen a lot of athletes across the board start to really intentionally use their platforms to speak out on issues that matter to them. Um, so what advice do you have for athletes that may be listening um, or athletes at any level, right? Whether it's high school, college, pro, if they want to speak about or speak up about issues that matter to them and, and start to drive change, what, what advice would, would you give them? Um, you know, I would say, um, you know, speak your true voice, um, collaborate with others, you know, educate yourself on, on what you're, what you're selling. Um, I think that's important, um, to know. Um, I think, you know, you don't want to go out there and be reactive. So yeah. really educate yourself, um, so that you can back up what you say and be consistent, right? Like don't pop in and make a comment if you're not willing to, to really, you know, get engaged. So that's, that'd be my advice. Yeah, I think the consistency piece is, is huge. You're kind of committing yourself to, to speaking out. If you speak out once, people are gonna to continue to expect you to, to stand up and speak out um, over time. So be, be ready to accept that commitment. I love that. So Tony, before we sign off, what's how can what's coming up in the near term with the Sane Foundation, and how can people reach out to you or the foundation to support you guys? Well, I think they can look at our website uh, and the work we do. I think you know we're looking for partners as we look to explore this nationwide anti-racism. So other local nonprofits that are willing to learn and have listening sessions and gather information as we refresh our our our, um, our curriculum um, would would be incredible and. You know, people are always welcome to come and visit and, you know, people are interested in going across the world, you know, let's start that conversation about how we're going to get to Haiti together. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Tony. We'll make sure to put your website and your social handles in our in our show notes for this uh, conversation. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing all the great work you're doing. And, uh, you know, kudos to you and your team for all the amazing work you've done over the last year, especially. Um, we're, we're thrilled to, to share what you guys are doing. Thank you. And we miss you in Minnesota. Come back anytime. Um, we're happy. We love company and the kids like seeing new people. So hey, um, as soon as I get the vaccine, maybe I'll make a trip over this summer. I, I miss it too. It's it's definitely a fun place to be in the summertime for sure. So I'm, I'm excited. I got to hang out with you and Christy for sure. Got to <laughs> see some there old friends. Go. So thanks again for doing this. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us and tuning into the Big League Philanthropist. It was so great to have Tony join us for another incredible episode. I've known Tony for a long time and his work speaks for itself. I'm really excited to be able to highlight all that he's been doing for so long. You can follow him and the Sane Foundation on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We will add those links to the show notes. And thank you again to Tony for taking the time to sit down with Big League Philanthropist. And we will continue to support him and stand with him for as he continues to speak out against racism, against organizations that refuse to recognize the importance of change, and stand in solidarity for all the incredible work he is doing for the Twin Cities. It is always a pleasure to highlight athlete activism, especially with a cause as important as these that Tony is working for. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can reach even more incredible listeners and share this episode with a friend who you think would love this conversation. A big thank you to Ethan Kenny and Tyler Brooke from Team Tackle What's Next for their help editing this episode. See you next time for another inspiring conversation here at the Big League Philanthropist.